1: Hi and welcome to episode 16 of The Next Dimension Podcast, your new podcast all about VR and AR. And in this episode, I'm so happy and honored to have a very special guest here. It's Six Liv. The well, how would I say it? You started Liv and You. So Six, how are you doing? I'm doing uh the best you could in a pandemic, I okay. guess you could say. Perfect, man. I'm so looking forward to hear from you. And of course, also here with us is VR365. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing good. What is going on? All right, man. And also here with me, Sebastian Ang, founder of MRTV. So for all of you who don't know this show yet, this show is a podcast which is live streamed every Saturday here live on the channel on MRTV. On um, 9 p.m. in Berlin time, 8 p.m. London time, noon in San Francisco, where 6 is at, and uh, well, 3 p.m. in New York City. And of course, you can also listen to this podcast on all the podcast shows, on all the podcast providers at um, Google. Amazon, everywhere where you can listen to podcasts and of course also iTunes. So we would be really happy if you love this show, if you would get out your iPad or iPhone now and open up the podcast app, find The Next Dimension podcast and give us a five-star review if you enjoy this show. All right, so today we have lots of interesting things to talk about of course we're going to talk about the HTC headset it has been teased by HTC and we're going to talk about also the new Pico 3 Neo headset that has been teased and well most importantly we're going to find out really everything about sixes well um yeah um, Journey. Experience. Journey. Yeah. Uh-huh. Journey. That's that's the word I was looking for. Exactly. Journey in the XR industry. Wow. I'm so looking forward to find out all about that because I'm sure you have lots of insights to share with us. Before we get into the topics, we always talk about our weeks. How have our weeks been like? And I would like to start with uh, you, Six. First of all, a very short intro. Six, tell us very shortly about your um, your journey in the industry. What have you been doing?
2: <laughs> yeah, so um, <clears throat> I've been in the VR industry for a little over six years now. Uh, uh, prior to that, I worked in computer hardware and I actually worked with Chinese OEMs. So this is one of the things that we're going to touch on in this chat. Uh, but I got into virtual reality uh, and I moved to San Francisco and uh, I kind of brought a unique perspective because a lot of the people here are into are basically mobile developers um, and I came from a background of kind of VFX and uh, computer hardware. Uh, so I got really interested in you know, how I can provide value there, got involved into mixed reality. Uh, mixed reality is when you can actually see someone um, as they're inside of virtual reality and when I saw that content I thought this is the best possible way for people outside the headset to understand what's happening. Um, so you know we're, we're definitely doing an abbreviated version of this but uh, basically I saw that technology and I thought okay I need to get this as accessible as possible to people. I started a company in my friend's living room where we basically set up a green screen um, and that. Uh, became the largest community for VR content creators, uh, Live, it's live.tv. Um, and then I started another company called YUR, which was essentially a virtual Fitbit across uh, every single headset, HMD and game. Um, so the the idea behind that was, you know, using a smartwatch right now is cumbersome uh, because you have to manually start and stop it every single time you do anything. Uh, so we were able to determine when you were starting exercise, when you were stopping exercise, all these other things, what games you were playing, what headset, uh, without any input from the end user. And then without wearing any hardware device, we were able to predict your heart, heart rate using machine learning. So those are the two products. And I'm working on a third one now that uh, maybe we'll get into at some point.
1: Wow. So. Very
2: interesting. So
1: the the third company that you're working on right now, that you're starting up right now, you haven't announced it yet, right? So, are you going to announce it in, th- in this show? Probably not, right? <laughs> 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 I, gonna uh, no. uh, so
2: I I was going to do that. No, so, my life's mission in kind of an indirect way is to get gamers to exercise. Okay. Um, I, so, I, 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 it's, a, it's something within that in the content space. Uh, more on the, I guess you could say, game side. Uh, so that that's the the closest tease I'll give you give you for now.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, really cool. So in today's show, we're going to find out so so much more about your journey in this industry. But um, in the beginning of the show, we always want to know how was your last week like? Like. How did you? How is your normal day life right now? Are you still playing any video, any VR games right now, or what are you? What are you doing right now? How was your last week live? How was your last
2: week in VR? Last, <laughs> last week in a pandemic. It should be a podcast. Uh, right, right. Yeah, I. So I live in San Francisco. Things are starting to open up now, or the, uh, they were shut down really bad for a long time here. So. Um, things are starting to open back up slowly, so that's nice. I spend most of my time walking over to my co-founder's place. So every morning I walk over to a place called Bernal Heights. So I walk up this, this hill. I basically work all day until like, I don't know, midnight, and then I walk back. Um, yeah, so that's, that's most of my day. I am playing some VR games. Um, I'm trying to do what they call in the startup terms uh, dog fooding, where you play games or do things that are around what you're actually building Um, so I'm trying to play as many active VR games as I can to kind of understand what is out there what does the industry have what is missing Um, so yeah I'm playing uh, you know quite a few different active VR games uh, and that's actually my main form of exercise now so um, getting back into that as well
1: all right yeah, right so what is your favorite uh, f- fitness VR game right now
2: uh, that's a that's a tough call uh, so there's there's one called blast on that's recently came out and no one really right. has heard of this one um, but it's 1v1 and I really like PvP okay. so so I used to be completely addicted to World of Warcraft and I play this uh this, this part in it called Arena. And I would get I would take like you know five cups of coffee and just go ham playing this, this thing called Arena. Um, and I'd play it with like my friends around a table and we would go super intense. And that's, that's really what I like. I really like uh, PVP, and I think uh, VR has not really had much PVP, and that's really just because of the critical mass of users hasn't quite been there yet. Um, but we're starting to see, you know, multiplayer become a, uh, a uh, more commonplace now, which is nice.
1: Right. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, being together with other people in, in VR is simply amazing. I, I love it. And it's really magical. Cool. Yep. Six, we're going to hear so much more from you in this show, and I'm looking forward to it. But now Thanks. we're going to hear from Anthony. Anthony, how was your week and what have you been doing in virtual reality? Yeah, so my week, I, I don't really have a lot of games
0: to talk about. I can mention quickly, though, I was kind of in a, a funk mentally um, for a while there. And the nice thing about VR is there are certain games that and, and experiences that you can go into that have a... A habit of like changing your entire perspective a little bit, you know, because this is like this sensory overload situation. You're cut off from everything. And sometimes you can kind of relax and reset yourself and get get a better feeling. And for me, uh, the number one game that I recommend for anybody that might be in some sort of funk, they're not feeling so good about everything, is give it give zing the land beyond a try it is from white lotus interactive it's a puzzle game it's been around for a long time it's pretty much on all the various platforms it's not on oculus quest though and it really should be because it would be a great game for quest um but the visuals it's so serene and peaceful and the music is so incredibly uplifting and there's all these little um fountains that you go to that have like words of wisdom, you know, and it's just a cool vibe. And uh, I, I find that every time I play Zing the Land Beyond, I come out with a more positive feeling than I went in. And um, it, it literally can change my mood, which is pretty freaking incredible. So I I, I have been playing that a little bit recently. Um, other news that I've been doing is so I started this website a long time ago, VR, um, VRGameRankings.com. It's just a little thing that I was doing. And um, it's I've talked about this recently where I was wondering, am I going to shut this thing down? Am I not going to shut it down? I talked about this before. Well, it's tax time now here in the USA. We're doing taxes and stuff because it's hmm. due in a couple of weeks. And I came to this decision that i'm going to shut down my vr game rankings llc and basically close the thing out oh no now the thing is yeah um but the thing is do i just like is vr game rankings.com just gonna disappear into the mist or should i try to sell it should i try to do something with it so i've been exploring that and i've um, it's for sale. If anybody wants to buy VR gamerankings.com, it is for sale. I'm, I'm talking with different parties right now for possibly partnerships or some people just want to acquire the whole thing. And I just walk away. So I hope people you're talking with to... Facebook. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, some people, um, you know, whatever. So that kind of a thing, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. So it's really chaotic right now because I'm trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to do. I think VR game rankings is actually going to survive. And one of the reasons it is, is so if you do a Google search for free VR games, VR game rankings actually will show up in like the first seven, five, eight returns, which is actually pretty decent. We get pretty good traction, yeah. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people have told me that have contacted me about acquiring it. They believe that like the crown jewel is the fact that I come up so high in this free VR that's, game uh, search. <laughs> uh, that so is they important. Think yeah, I think we can so. could build off of that. Yeah. Oh, so man. we'll see what happens with that. And then one other thing I wanted to mention for my gaming week, real quick, is a new game was announced this week. So there's a game out there called 2MD VR Football, which I think is an unbelievably underrated game. It's a very basic American football game. It's incredibly arcadey. This isn't John Madden VR. It's not a serious <laughs> game. It's just a fun, have fun kind of a game. And I, it's an incredible game, right? Truant Pixel is a developer. But they've got a brand new game that they just show, they've just shown off the trailer for it. It is called Runner. And it's completely different. This is not a sports game at all. This shows that they are more than just a sports game developer. They've got, you know, they've got definite chops in this industry. And they've created this game Runner. And if I don't know if you're playing the footage of it or right not, Sebastian. Right yeah, I'm playing okay. it right now. So it's cyberpunk-esque, but it's very retro. And when I saw, and and the music and everything, like if you watch this trailer, like it really reminds me, I had a Sega CD way back in the days, way back in the early nineties, I had a Sega CD. And like, I can remember back to those Sega CD days. And this has probably happened to you as a gamer at some point in your life where you'll have a dream that you go to like E3 or something, right? In your dream, you're at E3 and you see some unbelievable game that is like oh this is like it's like whatever we currently have in real life but like on crazy steroids like you'll you'll have these dreams where you'll see a game in your dream that is not possible right now maybe 10 years later 20 years later and i could imagine back in my sega cd days if i had one of these fever dreams about like metal gear solid on the sega cd but yeah, now it's on sega cd VR. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's cyberpunk. You're on a you're on a bike and you're shooting things. I think it looks pretty cool, and I love neon. Really cool. yeah, yeah, so looking forward to
1: that one. Okay, all right, that looks really cool, actually. Wow. So when is it going to come out? Uh, it they're they don't have a date
0: for it. I, I know that they're trying to get it out maybe later this year or maybe very early next year. So uh, they're definitely uh, Truant Pixel. I'm actually friends with one of the devs, and um. They're, they're going to continue to uh, reveal more information as the months go along, and this is just their very beginning of that, and they're continuing to bang away on it. But they're really looking forward to this in a major way because a lot of people don't know who Truant Pixel is. A lot of people haven't tried 2MD VR football because they're not into sports, and I think they're missing out. Even if you're not into sports, I think you're missing out because it is super fun and just it's just fun. <clears throat> it's just fun on a stick. So,
1: wow.
2: looking forward to what they got coming.
1: Cool. Very cool.
2: Just to yeah. understand the mechanics of this game, you're in a car that's moving and then you're shooting out of the car. Is that like, is that, yeah, the, like a
0: motorcycle bike, like a futuristic vehicles? motorcycle bike? Yeah. Uh, and,
2: what, uh, what do you feel about the immersion of like, so there is a conversation about local, like, locomotion is one of the biggest questions in VR, right? And, there's kind of uh, several different approaches to do the on rails, and so the on rails and Beat Saver is objects come to you, so it's it's on rails, but it's objects coming to you, and you're like in a fixed position, and it looks like this is basically you're on rails moving forward, kind of like also what Pistol Whip does. I wonder like what feels. I, I assume it feels more natural because you're, you you would assume like a, you'd be feeling like you're moving, right, if you're in a you know car, right. Yeah, I I talked to the developer
0: about this, and I was, because I was worried, like, I was like, dude, this looks super cool, but what about, like, motion sickness? Because um, anytime you're in a moving vehicle, there is that concern. And he said that the way that they've designed the game, they feel like motion sickness is going to be very minimal. And it might be because you have, like, you know, one hand is going to be controlling the motorcycle, and then your other hand is a, a gun that you're holding out. And... When you have something that you're holding out in front of you and it's and your brain makes that relation of where your hand is moving, I think it's like, oh, okay, we got this. We see your hand moving. It's communicating with your brain. And then there might be less motion sickness because of that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried it. I, I'd love to try a, a beta of it for sure. No question. It yeah. it's very cool. Right,
1: right. Yeah. So let's... Quickly talk about my week very fast. So I'm working on a secret project, just like six. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to reveal it sooner sooner than 6, I think. I'm going to reveal it very soon. And um, yeah, for what I've been playing, I've been playing actually Borderlands 2 VR because there's a really amazing Humble Bundle for VR right now. For like $12, you can get Borderlands VR, which normally costs like $50. You can get like um, Star Trek Bridge Crew. Everything is in this bundle, Espire 1. So if you want to get some amazing games for $12, For $13 now, check out the latest Spring Humble Bundle. And uh, yeah, I played some Borderlands 2 VR, and it's actually a pretty good game. I like it, actually. So that works really well. And that is what I've been playing and yeah, doing some secret, interesting stuff. (laughs) Okay, cool. So now that we've talked about all our weeks, let's get into the topics of this week. And for today's show... We're not going to go into so many topics, right? Because we have six years, so we want to hear about his journey and all the exciting stuff. But we still want to talk a bit about what has been happening. And uh, yeah, let's start today. Let's start a bit with AR, actually. And let's share my screen. We had some interesting... AR topics. So first of all, there was an interview with um, Tim Cook about AR, and what he says, he says AR is critically important to Apple's future, right? So we do have these rumors of the headset that's going to come out next year, if we believe the rumors, and these rumors says say it's it's a VR headset, which also has some pass through. Um, functions so basically it's an ar headset that's is, that's is, um, using vr technology so six i want to ask you what do you think is this apple ar or vr headset going to be like do you believe all the rumors that we heard um, and what are your touch points with ar
2: uh yeah so i have a lot of thoughts on this um okay where do i start so <laughs> one of the one of the big so has anybody heard of the um the new AirPods Max, those big, huge headphones that uh, yep. that Apple came out with, right? Right. right. What a lot of people don't realize is those those actually have an AR strategy. Um, so one of the big missing things, a lot of people use the terms, you know, augmented reality, and they apply it to all these different technologies, but the term augmented reality is still pretty ambiguous. But spatial audio is actually one of the big focuses of what Apple is doing. And those headsets actually are a precursor to that. And the, the, the reason is, if you think about it, one of the biggest unsolved things about augmented reality is piping the right audio to your ears based off what's what, actually one of the hidden things that a lot of people don't think of. When we think of AR, we always think of visual, right? You think of, you know, slam computing and putting an object on a table and stuff like that. But one of the big focuses that Apple has that a lot of people don't think about is spatial audio. So I could rant forever about this. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> can it mute my wife when I don't want to
1: hear? <laughs> That's the <a> real question. <laughs> who, knows, who knows? Okay. Um, but do you believe that... Apple is going to come out with this headset next year already in 2021. And there's going to be like a VR headset that has this amazing pass-through that basically is an AR headset. Do you think it's going to happen?
2: I mean, it's like, we all have the same information. Who's better at speculating, right? Right, um, right exactly. But, what uh, do you think? What, yeah, what is your
1: only... take on it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only thing that uh, that you know w- we can verify is... Uh, So Apple always works in iterations, and the most recent iPhones have um, LiDAR in the back of them. So look at the the larger macro picture, because because when Apple builds hardware, they do it in components, right? So they do everything iterative, and then those components become part of a larger product. So look at all the patterns of what's happening in their subproducts, and you'll be able to somewhat determine what's going to be in that headset. So the M1 processor, you know, that came out from the laptops. What what they didn't communicate is the, you know, externally was that processor was actually a byproduct of their XR uh, division. So the the that chip was actually originally going to be designed for a VR desktop that streamed to a to a to a HMD. So the M1 was actually a byproduct of that. And they go, well, this is so much better than, you know, a laptop that we can put in our desktops or laptops. Let's put it in there as well. So Mm -hmm. if you look at the M1 benchmarks, this thing is freaking amazing. It's blowing Intel out of the water. So imagine that in an HMD and just that by itself. So, and then, you know, from other industry communication I've had, some of it, I don't know how confidential it is, but they're, one of their biggest emphases is hand tracking. So if yeah. you're going to think, like, what, what, is gonna, what is their biggest focus is going to be is making hand tracking as good as possible and making pass-through as good as your actual eye. Wow. So, yeah, that's, it, it's, it's not going to be – everybody thinks of AR glasses as like these transparent, You know, I, I put on glasses and I right. it basically you – know, that, that is so far away. Yeah. Like I go and rant on how hard that is because I've worked on the hardware side of this. It is so hard, away, far away. Even just going outside, think of just one thing. I won't go into all the different reasons. Think of one thing. If I wear AR glasses, think of how bright they'd have to be right. to compete with the sun when I go outside. Think of right. how bright they'd have to be. Like You're fighting with the sun to project onto your eyes.
1: Yeah right. Also like um, the the field of view is really not good enough right now. Like I do have the HoloLens 2 here. I do have the Unreal glasses. So it's okay. The picture quality looks quite kind of nice, but the FOV is like what 40-50 degrees. So that is not really amazing. Right? But if we have like a VR headset, they for sure can do 90 degrees, which is like double as what the HoloLens 2 can do and probably it's going to be a better experience. Yeah, a better experience than what the Hollands 2 can do in terms of FOV, right? So it makes sense to have this VR headset that has perfect pass-through. Anthony, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, well, we've, we've
0: talked about yeah, this right. before. Right, it's right. the same old Apple thing, right? And we know how important AR is to them. They are in a dominant position right now. Apple is where every other company would love to be. That's where Facebook would love to be. Facebook is working on their own operating system. I would not be the least bit surprised if Facebook eventually acquires some semiconductor company and starts working on their own chips in the same way that Apple does because you want to own every little part of that ecosystem And um, so, yeah. And and one of the things I think they want to do here is I believe the AR aspect of it is their real goal. And I think they know that the AR product that they really want to have is too far away, but you want to slowly build that that ecosystem out. So you have developers, you have people that understand it, and you can do that in a VR headset. You can build out basically the way everything's gonna work. And then when your true AR product comes out, now everything just seamlessly cascades
1: onto that. Exactly. That's that's what I also think. So it makes sense to have this product next year, this VR headset that has passed through and where all the developers can yeah put all the apps onto it. And then later, a couple of years later, we're going to have these, yeah, these glasses which can do real AR. Anyways, I would say that AR is getting more mainstream, at least as far as the military is concerned. Yeah, and we we do, we are going to talk about the military because Microsoft signs a $22 billion contract with the US Army to bring HoloLens 2 Tech to the battlefield. Wow, that is a huge contract. So they had already had like like some kind of precursor contract, like a couple, like I think like last year, which was about like $500 million, but now it seems like the US Army is kind of happy with what they're seeing here. And they have now signed a $22 billion contract with Microsoft to bring that HoloLens 2 technology actually to the battlefield. Wow. So the military is kind of, um, yeah, like. Um, Yeah, having the technology first there and making it kind of mainstream for all of us, checking it out first. What do you guys think of this? Of of this kind of um, the military, like incorporating this technology. Six, what is your thought on on this on this uh, story that uh, Microsoft is um, having a twenty-two billion dollar contract?
2: Uh, so. I, as an American, I kind of have a mixed opinion of our military pursuits. It's like on one hand, we, you know, like in a broader sense, we try to pretend like we're the patriots of the whole planet, um, but we oftentimes make a lot of mistakes. So, you know, I'm going to say that before I, get, <laughs> before I get into my opinion <laughs> right, on the mil- right, right. You got to be careful about these type of opinions because, you know, I, I, I don't want to be labeled as a warmonger or anything, and I, I wouldn't consider myself that at all. But people can't be surprised that Microsoft sci- is working with the military. Microsoft has been working with the military from the beginning. If you know anything about the military, you'll know that everything there is running on Microsoft products. They do everything in PowerPoint. You, you ever think like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you're scary, that is if it's scary. When you're thinking of like Okay, it's wartime, and you know you have all the fancy like movies about what happens in war. It's a general putting stuff in PowerPoint, and then he's going <laughs> and he's pressing the slides, and he's saying, "Okay, this is how we're gonna you know do this and this." They're using PowerPoint most of the time. Wow, it's not some like fancy you know like uh, amazing software that the military uses. Like the military uses a lot of. Uh, privately held companies software. that's actually okay. how they got into that whole hacking scandal recently with the uh, solar panel company what was it called solar whatever um, they, they they have a certain quota that they have to fulfill from private organizations. So a lot of the stuff that the military uses is from private organizations. so the people who are upset about that it you know, I, I get it, but at the same time, like Microsoft's been working with the military longer than anybody who complains about that. So I, I don't find it surprising, I guess I guess I can say.
1: All right, all right, yeah. It, what, what a huge contract. I mean, $22 billion, that's crazy. So Microsoft is doing good business with their AR technology, Like uh, like years before this is going to go to the consumer, even though it's going to start soon, of course, right? But they are already big in business with their AR. Anthony, do you have any idea, any um, thought about about this story?
0: Yeah, well, one of the things I know about this one is, uh, so the previous contract was about $450 million. And it was basically um, so that they can see if this would be viable for their For their real contract and and they got i believe it was like 2500 hololens headsets that they tested out for this and they found out two major problems that it wasn't rugged enough for actual use and that the sensors had problems at night and so they went back to microsoft and said Well, you know, here's the thing. We got to make this thing way more rugged and the sensors got to work better at night. And Microsoft uh, worked on that aspect of it. And then they worked out this deal for this $22 billion deal. But the crazy thing about it is this $22 billion deal is for a maximum of 120,000 units, I think um it's up to 120,000 it might be way less and if you if you actually do the numbers like these are like you know $50,000 toilet seats basically so it's pretty expensive what they're paying for this stuff and then of course of the microsoft employees that were complaining about this Um, One Mm -hmm. thing that a lot of these stories don't mention is it's literally like a dozen people. So there's like 14, 16, 10 people that are really complaining about this. It's not like there's thousands of employees in Microsoft that are up in arms over this. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's a war thing. And uh, eventually you got to come to a decision of, okay, is this actually going to allow Microsoft? I mean, uh, is it going to allow the military to be that much more lethal and soldiers on the ground, like actual foot soldier troops, like our modern day warfare is probably not going to be that so much. So I see this more as like, just tactical, just like, uh trying to get information on coordinating and things. I don't necessarily like I don't see a horror scenario where these HoloLens 2 headsets are gonna allow the military to like see through walls and see that guy and be able to ricochet a shot off the window and hit the guy in his head. Um I think that's more <laughs> right, for the right. movies and stuff. So I'm not so much up in arms over this. I think, you know, eventually we'll get to that one world government, right? And then there's <laughs> one military for all, and we battle the aliens, and everything will be great. <laughs>
2: I'm get it politically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, if we were to take my opinion of, about yeah. the military in in general, in a broader sense, you know, that's one thing, and I think people should be concerned about uh, overly military spending, but in the, this specific sense. Um I think uh, a lot of the reason that they're incorporating this is for things like friendly fire. Uh, oh, one of the biggest sense. issues people have on the battlefield is like where where are my you know allies, right? like right. you you, okay. you can you can do it you know in audio, and that's why they use all these different various different commands. But to actually be able to visually see, okay, you know my allies are in these locations um, and and they're at this distance visually, could prevent a lot of uh, accidental friendly fire. I like it Uh
1: because I'm from Germany and we are your friends now. So please wear those things. (laughs) Hey, you know that game?
0: You know that game? uh, Keep talking or or somebody explodes. Yeah, right. Like Microsoft's going to, I mean, uh, the army's going to be able to, uh, it's a bad joke. I was going to say they're going to be able to play that real game, you know, with like, (laughs) <laughs> uh, these like dirty bombs that they have to disarm with using a HoloLens 2 live. I, that's a terrible joke.
2: As you It's a joke, you're attracting it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right, right.
1: Very good. Yeah, next dimension podcast, the podcast of the bad jokes. I like it. So, um, but, anyways, let's get back to normal. um, Six, I want to ask you in general, what do you believe? You're a big believer in virtual reality, obviously, right? You've been like starting like two companies who made a big impression on the industry. But I want to ask you, what do you think um, about AR? Is it going to be more important than VR in the future? What are your thoughts about AR in general? I
2: this always gets into a really intense battle of semantics of like, what do these words even mean? And now we're using catch all term XR, which I just don't like, like, you know, what do these terms even mean? And I think whenever you think of technology, I think there's two ways to really think about it, which is what does it replace in the physical world that you already use? For example, um, you know, like, our phones right now are they just phones we call them phones but are they phones no they're a calculator they're a spreadsheet they're a, you know they're a, a text communication device they're they're a, all these different things that would be 300 different physical products you know a few decades ago So then the question that we, when you look at these technologies is what does AR replace? So AR replaces the phone, AR replaces, you know, the, the headphones technically, you know, because it would be connected to you. So like, what do the technologies replace in the real world? Um, And then I would say that it's just going to be two different things, which is like, if you want to be fully immersed in a game, like you would wanna be when you're playing a console or watching TV, you wanna be fully immersed in it, right? So for that technology, there'll be virtual reality. And for productivity and things that you need to be aware of your conscious environment, there'll be augmented reality. And I think this whole debate of like AR is so much bigger than VR. Well, game PCs have had their best year in history and everybody's been saying consoles are gonna kill gaming PCs forever. And and, and, and you know, it's just I think the, the different approach to think is just like there'll be times you want to be fully immersed into technology and there'll right. be times you want to use it as a peripheral, right? Right. And right. people are already using AR. If you ever walk around and you see someone looking down at their phone as they're walking, they are literally using AR. Mm-hmm. They're just using a less optimized version of it, right? <laughs> when you're walking and looking at your phone, you are using AR. Yeah. It's just you, not you know yeah
1: right you're augmenting your reality by this information that's that's for sure absolutely and it's soon going to be integrated into our yeah our uh, i don't know all everything like the glasses that we wear is going to be very exciting yeah cool very cool but another technology that is even oh wait wait yep okay. before we move on there
0: there's one aspect to this Microsoft thing that we didn't bring up and so supposedly in this HoloLens 2 deal with the military, did you see how like the field of view is going to 80 degrees and the vertical field of view oh, no, is increasing as well? Okay. And just one thing I'll say really quickly about that is I believe that the actual increase in the vertical FOV is legit. But I believe this like eighty degree thing, I think what they're doing is they're gonna actually have like the the AR magic happening in basically a square in the middle. And this extra eighty degree FOV is gonna be for like little indicators like where's the wind and light, you know, like like just okay. basic little indicators in the corners. Yeah, that could uh, be mm-hmm. I was just, I don't know if you guys saw that, but I was wondering like, how did they get to eight? I don't think they had this like dramatic technological breakthrough all of a sudden and they're just like quietly talking about it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. Right. So um, now let's go to the next topic and the next topic, like a very interesting one is actually brain computer interfaces, BCI. And we had a, we had a very interesting news and, uh, that was about Neuralink. So Neuralink is revealing or has revealed a monkey playing Pong using only its brain. And that video, I really would like want everyone to watch this video. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's like a three minute video and it, it simply shows like this monkey and they have um, installed that, that Neuralink computer. chip into this monkey. And they have trained him to to use like a joystick to play a simple game like Pong, and then they have been measuring his brain waves using that joystick and whatever he does, and then by using artificial intelligence, they could interpret that that um, that that waves these these brain waves, and then they could have the monkey play. Pong without the joystick, just using his his thoughts. Let me show you that right now on the screen. So let, let me uh, the joystick is going to go away in a minute. Yeah, moment. they
0: disconnect the they disconnect the joystick, but right. the monkey doesn't know. No, no. Yeah.
1: Now, now you can see it on on the screen. The monkey is playing Pong only with his thoughts and that newer link implant. Now that is pretty crazy right that we're so far already with this technology what 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 do you think about this um, six
2: well <laughs> I laughed because the the first thing I saw when I clicked on that video the top rated comment I don't know if it still is was return to monkey so I <laughs> return to monkey okay I'll tell you why that's funny okay gorilla tag. Is taking off in the VR space, right? Have you heard of Gorilla Tag? Yeah, absolutely, right? yes, of course. So it's I, if you've ever played the game, it's like it's like so, something someone made in like you know a few hours or something. It's basically a, right. a, a multiplayer game, and you just your gorillas without legs, heavily pixelated, and you just run at each other and tag each other. And it's a huge place for kids to play and talk to each other. And what they say over and over again is "Return to Monkey." <laughs> what? Return to monkey okay. showcase. <laughs> and it's just right. interesting to see that, like that uh, culture, expand into this. And a lot of people who are liking that post probably don't even know the origin of, of where this is coming from. So that I just laughed so hard when I saw that top comment. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, brain-computer interfaces have been around for a while. Um, and I know some people in the science community are actually kind of upset at Elon Musk because, you know, they think he's kind of co-oping technology that's been around for a while. And I think that it's important to note that Elon Musk doesn't necessarily create technology that no one's ever seen initially. What he does is he, he tries to approach it in a way that makes it economical and actually makes it eventually a consumer product or eventually economically feasible, right? Because NASA never focused on trying to be economic with their rockets. You know, people who did electric cars never focused on being economical. So when you're looking at Neuralink, it's using a lot of borrowing from a lot of technology that already existed, but he's always hyper-focused on how do we actually make this product into something that can get, can get reach. And then, you know, he markets it to millions, you know, millions of people. So,
1: right. Yeah. So it's a smart thing to do. Anthony, what did you think when you saw that?
0: Yeah, I was like, (laughs) wow, this is going to get real scary real fast. (laughs) Actually, it's it's working very well. And uh, we, we can see some kind of future where everybody has a little bald spot on their head and you know <laughs> they basically got neurolinked up. Um, but one of the things I thought of actually is like the killer app for this. So here's yeah, a little pong, story obviously. like, well, yeah, but uh, here's a little story. So like there's times where I'm laying in bed at night, okay? And my dog has a habit of like, he comes into the room, And he when he walks into the room, he opens the door, swings the door open, and then there's like a light that's in the bathroom down the hallway. And I'm laying in bed when this whole thing is happening. And I'm thinking, God, I wish I had the ability to close that door and turn off that light, but without getting out of bed. (laughs) <laughs> and Net and Neuralink will solve this for me, so I'm ready to sign oh. up. Because I mean, have you ever been sitting I on the love, love and it. you're <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> yeah. like lower the volume "I love of this it." Channel switch it to a different channel. You know, <laughs> I mean, just just yeah. in your head, like it would be amazing. But
2: yeah. what, what is it? Is the future just sitting here and you're like, "I think of an Amazon product," <laughs> yeah. and then, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely." Oh, like we're just going to be we're going to be like that movie surrogates where it's just like, we're sitting there and we're like 400 pounds and we're just controlling all these like avatar versions of ourselves. Yeah. DoorDash is just going That's to show up at the right time.
1: time. It's all going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's crazy. I was really like surprised, like how far this technology already is. I mean that this works so well, right. That's using AI, you can kind of like uh, understand those brain waves and then, Make that joystick move or or that paddle from Pong, uh, it's pretty amazing. So like But the phone right there, like the phone <laughs> actually, like the
0: phone interfacing with the thing in your head, that seems so <laughs> unbelievably dangerous to me because phones can be hijacked, no problem.
1: Yeah, well. Anyways, this is this is crazy that we're already so far. And recently we heard that that Valve is all also like working on this, right? Not actually like writing into the brain, but also more like like reading from the brain what the the player, the the player what they feel when they play a game. It makes so much sense, right? To to kind of understand if if the the player thinks the actual game that they're playing is like complicated or is too easy, and then they throw some more enemies at you. Wow. Well, there's so, so much interesting things that are going to happen in that space. And it sounds like science fiction, but it seems like we're really so close. Very, very interesting. Yeah, there was the, the Neuralink news. But anyways, let's let's um, go through the news a bit faster and let's go to the next news. And now we're getting into the VR space and we're getting into the standalone space, right? So... We're looking for that competitor for the Quest 2. And well, at least in China, some interesting things are happening. So w- w- there's Pico. And Pico had the the Pico Neo 2, which is a standalone headset, which was mostly focused on enterprise, at least here in the West, right? In the in the in the US and also in Europe, it's 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 solely an enterprise headset. But in China, actually. It is also a headset that people use for playing games because there is no Quest, right? There is no Oculus because Facebook is not allowed in China. So now Pico unveils the Neo3 standalone headset and it's going to launch on May the 10th in China. And actually this is a headset that is marketed to consumers in China with also lots of games and they have their own studio for... For like for, for games. And what we see here on, on the website is actually a headset which looks kind of like the, the Pico Neo 2, but the controllers look different. For the Pico Neo 2, we had like uh, two cameras for the tracking of the headset, but for the controllers, actually they did use a different kind of mechanism to track. The controllers, It was some electromagnetical field that was being used in order to track the controllers. Now it seems like they also do the optical tracking with cameras, just like the Quest is doing it. So that is pretty interesting. So the Pico Neo 3 is going to come out in China, 10th of May, and it's most probably going to be yeah, focused on... Um, on consumers in China, but I don't think it's going to be focused on consumers in the West. What do you think, um, six, is it going to be um, in the West only going to be focused on enterprise or are they also going to try to get to consumers in the West?
2: I I don't think, I don't think it works for consumers. Uh, You know, at some point we're going to have this conversation uh, in this call, but the quest Two is being sold under cost. They have the largest portfolio of of content. Um, And even though people, you know, kind of hate Facebook, at least it's a a well-known brand. Uh, So what a lot of people need to recognize is the difference between consumer and enterprise is oftentimes just whether or not the company can afford to be consumer, because these days, consumer is unbelievably difficult. You oftentimes have to sell hardware at a loss. Uh, you have to, you know, like even when you buy a phone from Verizon, it's subsidized by the carrier. Uh, so people have this uh, incredibly high expectations of consumer goods, and they, they will not buy hardware that is sold at a profit anymore. When you buy an Amazon Fire or a Google Chromecast, every single consumer hardware device that you buy in America is sold under cost now except for Apple. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. you're right, that's true. But Apple is subsid Apple is subsidized by uh, or at least the phones are subsidized by the carriers. So, you know, like instead of being, you know, $1500 out the gate for the new Max or whatever, you uh you're paying it in 30 dollars $30 installments. So, so the sticker shock is is not as apparent. But yes, that's a that's a good point. But a, a lot of the other companies that don't uh, drive revenue from hardware costs, they're all based off either ad models or things, you know, subscription models or things like that. All those have hardware that are sold under cost. So the problem that a Chinese company will have is they'll come to the United States. Now we have a is it 25 or 30 percent tariffs. So on top of that, mm-hmm. the reason right, our vehicle right. cards are insanely expensive in the United States is now we have an additional 20 30% tariffs. So every single PlayStation that we buy now is actually sold even more under cost for the manufacturer due to that. So anyway, uh, Pico is going to have that issue where entering into the market is going to be more expensive for them, and they can't sell their hardware at a, at a profit. So then they'll have to pitch to, 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 to enterprise. And you know, Facebook has failed notoriously on their B two B offerings. So that's that's the angle that they're going to take.
1: Right, right. Anthony, what are your thoughts? Do you think there's any company that has a chance to stand up to um, to Facebook in the in this kind of standalone business? I just think, yeah.
0: Um, I think the barrier to entry is like just what you're saying there. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, not not just a company from China trying to compete with Facebook, but it could be an American company. It could be a Japanese company like Sony. I think Sony probably considered the possibility of making a Quest uh, competitor. But who wants to get into that war? Who wants to get into a price war? Like Sony doesn't like giving their stuff away. Uh, I mean, that they certainly lower their prices to be more competitive, but they're not. That's not their bag, man. You know, giving stuff away two hundred dollars cheaper than it costs to manufacture it. And so, anybody competing with Facebook in the standalone market? Why? Who, who's going to do that? Where's the incentive? It's it's <laughs> not happening.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a the economics don't make it any sense. So, the just the the chip uh, for all our watchers here uh, inside of the inside of the Quest Two is an XR two chipset. Just that chip, bought in scale, is more than a hundred dollars a unit, and that's not including any of the other stuff inside the headset. This headset is sold at a loss, and there's there's estimates of anywhere from $80 to $200 per headset for the, for the lower end model. So how do you come into a market and you compete with, with the, those type of numbers? And the truth is, you know, people are concerned about getting their data to Facebook. But you know what the problem is, is that people are more willing to give their data to Facebook than spend another $100, $200. That's just the way it is. And it's, it's sad reality but people don't value their personal data. And that's why that these ad driven companies like Google and Facebook can sell hardware under cost. Because if if you work a lot in in startups, you realize one of the biggest issues is not the product that you make, it's how to distribute it to people. And that's why a lot of hardware (laughs) companies fail. It's not that they don't necessarily create a great prototype, it's that they can't get the supply chain to actually get the product that they've made to the end user because when you build a hardware product they will say like 300 different components if you don't have that one screw or that one tiny little thing you can't complete the whole thing and that's and that's what makes hardware so hard is it's it's 100% or 0 and these right. and these parts come from all over the place Cool. I'm
1: I'm wondering about one question. Like in the US, let's say if there was a company like, like Xiaomi, like it's a big player in China and they're also like like um like having these products which are really cheap. Their phones are really cheap, right? And if if they came to the market, to the American market and they also had like a headset which is also really cheap, let's say two hundred fifty dollars, and they could also pull it off in terms of money. Do you think the American people, <laughs> they would prefer to give their data to Facebook still? Or would they care more about like Xiaomi being a Chinese company? Yeah. Well, I think
0: the tariffs, like you talked about the tariffs. Yeah, right, right, like, right. I, I don't think, <laughs> like, I think it's they couldn't that do much it, right? harder do to it. do that. Okay. One little interesting thing, though, one little interesting angle of this whole thing, I noticed in the Road to VR article about this uh, headset is they talked about... Um, how Pico already has their Pico store, and there's 400 apps already there, I guess for the Pico 2 or whatever, and they have localized versions of Super Hot VR, Apex Construct, Angry Birds VR, Isle of Pigs, and Racket NX. And this is the first time I've heard of this, and this is interesting because think of all the developers that are trying to work day and night to get their game on the official Oculus Quest store, because that is where dreams are made. If you don't get on that official Oculus Quest store, you are screwed. And where's their other option? They don't have a fallback option. They don't have another platform they can go to. But at least in China, maybe they could go to the Pico store. I'm not sure. Do you know right. which processor is actually in Pico 2? I guess, I'm get. i guessing it's the same as the Quest processor, Quest uh, 1 maybe?
1: In, no, in uh, Pico it's, 2, it's a, it's a Snapdragon 845. I don't know about okay. Pico 3, but um, yeah, probably it's also going to be even an XR2, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah so perfectly compatible, yeah. Right, right. Yeah.
2: Well, one of the, one of the secrets um, that a lot of people don't know is that uh, Facebook actually had an exclusivity with the XR2. That's why they oh, really? came out. Well, think about it. No other headset magically had an XR2. Right. They, had a, had a, they had a timed release so they could come out with the XR2 before anybody else. So they 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 basically set the market standard. And they, I mean, they're blowing so much money compared to everybody else that it just becomes an economic issue at some point. Right. Do
1: you think um, Facebook is losing money on every um, Quest every you heads- sold?
2: Every headset.
1: Wow. What, what do you think? How much are they losing?
2: I, I would say around $100 every what? single... What?
1: Yeah. Really? $100? That's crazy, though. Yeah. That is really crazy. Wow. It's yep. worth
2: it, though, if
0: you absolutely don't like they are absolutely dominating yeah, in this course. space. We're There's no one. I movie. mean, yeah. they exactly. got beachfront property.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, what, what, what you have to consider what their strategy is, is they're they're doing something called, you know, they're basically seeding the market and they're they're winning the market at a at loss because if they become the standard, it's so much harder to fight them. Just right. think about it right. you know you're just talking about the pico and having super hot if i already bought super hot on my quest why would i buy it on on pico right so the the only way that a, a hmd competitor is going to come in the space and beat facebook is content on the level of beat saber that is exclusive to their headset at least on the consumer side right. they're gonna have to come out with like world of Warcraft VR. <laughs> and then have it be exclusively tied. In fact, that was one of the big reasons Facebook acquired Beat Saber. Mm-hmm. So if you notice the time frame for the acquisition of Beat Saber, Beat Saber was acquired shortly after they came out on the PlayStation. And if, and if you, yeah. the reason Facebook was so terrified of, of not owning Beat Saber was because Beat Saber was basically in 50% of all headsets. And right. what they saw right. was Sony has a reputation of buying game studios because this is how they basically churn out AAA titles over and over again, right? It's 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 basically subsidized by Sony. Tip
0: for tat, because uh, yeah. you know Insomniac went to Sony, right? And Insomniac right. made all those VR games for Oculus early on,
2: right? So 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 what Facebook realized is if we if if Sony acquires Beat Saber, they could literally take away our ability to corner the VR market. So that's why they they had to acquire. So they acquired Beat Saber and they acquired that other uh, game. I forgot what it's called. It, the, with the developer who created that one like Viking Viking game. Um, anyway, I forgot what it's called. It's the, it's the most AAA. Oh, VR- Sanzaro. Sanzaro. Yeah, all right.
1: Too. Right, right.
2: Yeah. yeah, wow. So,
1: wow. I'm, I'm still like thinking about like um, Facebook making $100 loss on every single... Quest 2 sold, yeah. But anyways, yeah. it's a great investment for them in, into the future, right? They also believe in the extra future, in the spatial computing future, and they are dominating the market as we speak right now. Yeah, right. But there's one hope. <laughs> and there's one hope. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? Might be HTC. And that is the next big thing that we're going to talk about. So now let's have a look at the the latest tweet. The latest tweet from HTC. And Mm -hmm. it is the one that you're seeing here right now on the screen. And HTC says, now that the accessories are out of the way, let's get down to business. And Mm -hmm. what we're seeing here right now, it might as well be, and that's what we think right now, is a standalone headset and we see here one camera. Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm still like in shock about the HTC PR marketing department, <laughs> right? How they, how they were like teasing that tracker and everyone, and especially me, were thinking like, okay, that must be that standalone headset, but they were the trackers. But now it seems like, okay, this is the real deal because on their website, they did the following on their blog they wrote a vr headset question mark and then they 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 show this kind of um headset and there is something over it some kind of cloth or what and uh, they say vr headset confirmed all right okay it is a vr headset yeah. and <laughs> and if we're looking at at this picture here that they have posted, it seems to be like a standalone headset with inside-out tracking. So, Six, I want to ask you, what do you think is the next headset of HTC going to be? And do you think it has a chance on the market? Is it going to be uh, a headset that is going to be focused on enterprise or is it going to be focused on consumers or is it going to do both? What, What are your thoughts about it?
2: It's going to be more expensive than people think. Okay. I, I, I think that people really need to get ready for the, the, the sticker shock. Um, HTC as a company needs to make money from content or uh, from, from their hardware. hardware. Right. From their hardware because they don't make money on content. The, the Vive port is not necessarily a, a revenue a significant revenue driver for them uh, yet. I, I hope that changes. But I think people should be prepared for a price that uh, is very high. I, I think that what they're going to do... So a, f- a, few, a few thoughts here. They're going to have a higher resolution panels. Um, they're basically going to go down the spec sheet of the, 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 uh, the, the Quest 2 and try to beat it at least a little bit in every category. Um, so I, I would assume they're going to have higher resolution panels. Um, I would assume. So, uh, what what some people don't realize is the XR2 is actually downclocked in the Quest 2. Right, um, right. and they're they're doing that because for the thermal humans, right? reasons. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, they're doing that for thermal reasons, and they're doing that for battery consumption reasons. So, uh, the XR2 is actually underclocked inside of the Quest 2. So, if they come out and they basically clock it at you know at standard. Um, they'll be able to push it a little bit higher. So my guess is it's going to be a spec war. Um, and they're basically going to be like, well, it's better than, than the Quest in every single category. And they're they're, they're definitely going to double down on the don't need a Facebook account narrative. Yeah. Um, but I think they're, they are going to still have to focus on enterprise because of the cost of the hardware. Uh and, and or pro-consumer. pro, pro consumer. Because they're going to fall into the same uh, issue, which is they can't sell hardware at a loss.
1: Right. That makes sense. So what do you think the the, the, the sticker price might be? What do you think? How expensive might this headset be?
0: Um, uh,
2: six. Like $300 more, probably. It's, it's going to... I have information. I can't say... But it's going to be more than people. How do I say it without giving a number? It's going to be close. Oh. Is it going to be like well, shocking, be or is it going to be, to be OK? Is it acceptable? going to be an index or a reverb? Uh, it's going to be an index. OK. Wow. Not, not quite. Not quite. Okay. I, I, OK, it's just going to be more than than people are expecting. So OK, all
1: right. I, so. Okay, so from what you're saying here, I, I have the feeling it might be more like the seven hundred eight hundred dollars range. would I think it would make sense to me if they're selling it, yeah, they must make a profit out of it exactly like you said, because they don't have the big platform where they're selling lots of hardware uh, lots of uh, software, right? So they' still in the same position like before with their other headsets where they simply have to make money off the hardware itself which is a not not a great position but um, six do you think this is going to be targeted at consumers as well do you think there's going to be like games
2: on it i think it's going to be a prosumer category okay. so it's going to it's going like to it's going to be like the in, index of standalones
1: Okay. Okay, that makes sense. I think there, there is a market for it. I believe there's a market for people who are not into uh, like logging into your headset with your Facebook account, like like I'm one of those people as you know. So, I think there is a market. Anthony, what do you think? Is there a market for a headset that is like uh, that has top specs, better specs than the Quest 2 but is way more expensive, let's say more than double as expensive as the Quest 2. Do you think somebody's going to pick it up other than me for consume for the consumer
0: market not really i mean there there are these consumers out there we got plenty of them in chat already that say they will never they will never do facebook they're not going to do this facebook account there's people that are begging to put their money somewhere else the problem is These people are not in the hundreds of thousands. They're in the tens of thousands. And that's not enough to move the needle here. This is a B2B headset. I mean, I think that's safe to say. And there's opportunities for HTC in this category because Oculus has dropped the ball like none other when it comes to, like, location-based entertainment type stuff. There was a time. I think they have
1: dropped the ball with that.
0: There was a time okay. when I was looking into a mobile VR business, right? And I was going to like I was going to be going to places and setting up like a VR demo thing and I was but luckily I didn't do it and then the freaking pandemic happened so it was <laughs> probably a good call on my part, right?
1: Right, right. But
0: call, when I was looking into this, I was contacting Oculus cuz I wanted to use Quest for this. And I came to understand so originally this person from Oculus told me Um, Because I went to them and I was like, hey, you know, there's Springboard VR, there's these other services, aren't you guys going to do something like that? So like, we can buy the headset and you can get the part of the revenue and, you know, everybody wins, right? Like Springboard VR. And the Oculus guy said, we're making our own thing like that. We're working on that. And And he said, We'll have plenty to share in later this year. Well, that was like three years ago. So I don't know whatever happened with that, but like still to this day, I know gaming science teacher in the education world, she wants to buy like for her school, they want to order like 20 something headsets and use it with their students. But it's an impossible reality because you order 20 headsets, they got to be linked to 20 Facebook accounts. This, this doesn't yeah, work doesn't for sense. business. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, there's opportunities here, and um, I-, I think that's a possibility.
2: You know. Uh, so I think people need to think why does Facebook not care about LB and B2B? Not necessarily, like, I, I think a lot of people say they fail on this and whatever. They don't give a shit. Like, yeah, sorry for pardon my language. No, no, I'll no. tell you. This is MTV. You can yeah. say everything you want. <laughs> <laughs> see everything. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's see. It's, Let's see. Their business model. Is based off ad targeting. If they don't know who is in the headset, right? They can't profile you. They can't know where you are. They can't know who you are. They can't connect you to their ad network. So for them, they don't give a shit about B two B. They don't give a shit about L B E because they don't know who the hell is in the headset. When you're passing people through an L B E situation. Are you going to have them log into your Facebook account every single no. time they use the headset? No. So they don't care because they but can't- But
0: eventually care. it'll scan your retinas. They'll know who you are pretty soon. <laughs>
2: eventually they'll just, <laughs> you know, Zuckerberg will start speaking to your head. So that's what people need to understand. They don't care about B2B at all and they don't care about LB even less and it's because they can't know who is in the headset. Okay. And that's the only, that's their true way to make money is- Knowing who is in the headset and e- they're n- so just so people understand, I'm going to go on an anti-Facebook rant at some point here, <laughs> but they're not specifically selling the data in the headset yet, but they're connecting you to their larger ad network. And then they can't, if they don't know who's in the headset, they can't do that.
1: Right. That makes so much sense. So let's, for the, this moment, let's keep the Facebook rant and we're going to get to that later. <laughs> we're still we're still now on the on the HTC headset. So I simply want to ask the people who are watching this live right now, the 220 people, who of you would buy a $799 HTC standalone headset that is in any way better, like in terms of specs, but again, $799. And there will be games on it, probably, but probably not as many as on the Quest platform for now. But probably there's going to be more and more. So, if you would pay $799 for an HTC standalone headset without having to log in with your Facebook account, please say yes. And if you think, like, okay, are you friggin' kidding me? I can get the Quest 2 for $299 with all these games, then say no. I simply want to get a feeling. For, for what you guys think. And please be honest, right? Really, be honest. $799, that is expensive as compared to the $299. And well, basically, um, Facebook did kind of kill the competition with their $299 price tag because it's so tough to con- convince somebody to pay so much more because well, you don't have to log in with your Facebook account, right? It's uh, for for lots of people. Just as Six has said before, they don't care. They don't give a damn, right? Just they are just going to look at the 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 price, and uh, what happens with the data, we don't basically care. So, <laughs> right? It's like this, right, Six?
2: Yeah,
1: I guess so. Yeah, yeah honestly speaking, I, I think so. So let's see. No, 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 and no. And there's one who says yes. Yeah, so most people are not going to do that. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're so honest about it. <laughs> what about the fact,
0: though, that, like, let's go back to the HTC Cosmos, because why are we assuming they're
1: going to figure out inside-out tracking? Because they sure like the did figure it out I the like the question, time, right? yeah. Yeah, they... That was really, really like surprising for me, like how bad the original Cosmos was. When you would think, like, oh, okay, HTC, they were they they were the first to come out with a headset, like with the HTC Vive, which was so cool. But well, they've been working together with Valve on the technology, right? And now with the Cosmos, they were on their own, and the inside-out tracking kind of sucks. So yeah, not sure. Exactly. It looks like though <laughs> the the tweet that the placement of that camera, that looks like
0: it's on the top of the front rim. But that's good strange. because that might be, you know, you're playing these games where you're pulling back a bow or you're going back over your head or whatever. So it might have, assuming they can actually figure out inside-out tracking and it actually works good, that extra camera on top, if that's what that is, could allow for a greater range of motion and still be tracked.
2: Hopefully. Correct. Well, the, the per- the current method that the Quest uses is assumption based off IMU data. So it goes, you know, basically I can see it with the constellation tracking and the LEDs that are blinking on the controller. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. I can't see it, but I can still tell how much the IMU is moving. So I assume it's here. Right. So that's why even though the, the controller goes out of the field of vision of the cameras, it'll still have some general idea of where it is. Yeah,
1: and it works so well. I must really say that the Quest 1 and 2 tracking and also the Rift S tracking is amazing. Um, Six, I want to ask you, do you think HTC can pull off inside-out tracking
2: (laughs) after they failed with the Cosmos? So inside-out tracking was actually one of the hardest challenges um, for the original Quest. Uh, Basically, the hardest thing about it was just to get that kind of computer vision to work on a mobile chip. And sure. if anybody who ever works in computer vision understands how com- you know computationally expensive it is to get that type of tracking on a mobile chipset, you know right. uh, up till now, you know all the methods have been used were using a desktop. so i think I think by now they they could have pulled it off. I think the so at at my prior company, my cTO. Uh, we would always joke with him about the Cosmos because he hated the tracking so much that it was always going to be his Christmas gift or his birthday gift or whatever because he just hated the, hated the tracking so much. Um, but I think, I, I hope that, that they've got, I mean, I, I think they can pull it off by now. There's, okay. there's enough in the market and I think the tracking should be fine. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, you
0: wow. know, Alvin Wang Graylin, uh, he tweeted that same photo with some hashtags like XR, VR, Vive, but he also said, can't wait to share the bigger picture. And I wonder if he means like, they are gonna have like an FOV advantage here cloud.
2: and like cloud. true IPD adjust and stuff like I, that. I, I bet that would be cloud. If I were to take a guess, I think that, that one of their biggest emphases in China is cloud technology. Okay. So if I were to guess on that, I would say um, that that could be part of it as well. So, Eventually. so, the
0: thing is, though, okay. all their tweets they talk about, like, let's get ready for business. It's your yeah. move for the yeah, exercising so- thing. So, I don't know. They're kind of obvious about what they're talking about.
2: Yeah. The, yeah. You're probably right. They're probably talking about the resolution of the headset.
1: So, um, Six, you think that there might be some cloud streaming involved for this?
2: Well, the not necessarily this version but okay. cloud streaming is one of the big like technological focuses uh of VR at some point right. so many many years ago i used to work in networking though and to be honest it's so far away from being something that that actually makes sense with you know what they call edge computing which is basically like <laughs> right. you know a nearby compute and then you know <clears throat> um I'm not super, I I don't think it's necessarily realistic for um, the United States. I mean, I can barely get my cell phone to work in San Francisco, let alone, you know, streaming, you know, high resolution 4K video to my head in low latency, right? So I'm not super optimistic about it.
1: Okay, I see. Yeah, so let's see. What's going to happen with, with that headset, with um, HTC? I don't know, standalone headset. I really hope that they're not going to tease us for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> like, I really hope they're going to just come out with it. And in terms of marketing, I must say, I must give it to Oculus and to Facebook. They're doing such a good job on how they how they market their headsets, how they launch their headsets, or or the headset, the Quest Two. It was really a very smooth launch. And HTC really can learn something from it, and I believe the reason why Oculus is so much better with that is simply because they are an American company, and you guys really know about how to how to do business. And HTC is the Taiwanese company, and they are simply not as advanced as the US is with these kind of things. Yeah, that is the HTC topic, and now now finally, I'm looking forward to learn more about. Six, six live. So looking forward to find more about your journey in this whole industry. Oh you know? <laughs> yeah, right. So six. Let's start from the beginning. Um, how did you get into this whole industry? When was your first touch point with VR? Where you thought like, okay, this is something that has so much potential. This is something where I want to put my personal energy into it. And that is something that I want to pursue. Tell us about it.
2: <clears throat> yeah. So, okay. Let's see here. So, uh, virtual. I tried the original DK one, but to be completely honest, I wasn't, you know, complete completely sold on VR back then. Um, I tried the. D- I bought the DK two, so I started to become a little bit more interested. And then, what really changed it for me, where I saw VR was the future of everything, uh, at least gaming related. Uh, was when I had I got the Vive pre. so I got you know the original Vive, and I remember a moment where I was playing Space Pirate Trainer, mm. and I physically dodged the laser. I ducked, and it went over me, and I was just like, "What? What the, <laughs> what? What the friggin' what heck? The fuck! I just dodged a laser by ducking." <laughs> a laser. And, and, and that was that was it. That was like this space is going to you know freaking revolutionized gaming in a way that we haven't seen in, in in a decade so um that was really what sold me was the first time i dodged a laser in space pirate trainer so you know c- credit to eye illusions and uh, chris over there so yeah um that's what really what got me into it yeah Okay. That was the moment. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you
0: know, the first time I played Space Pirate Trainer, I got shot right <laughs> in my chest with a laser and I literally fell down on the ground. Like, because <laughs> wow. like, I was like, <sighs> it, it, nothing yeah. happened. I was yeah. completely safe. But yeah. that's how powerful VR was. Like, April yeah. of 2016. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, Just five I, years I, ago.
2: Yeah. I lived, back then uh, when I first moved to San Francisco. I lived in a community house with fifty people. Wow. So when I got and I set up the 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 Vive in there, and it was, I was introducing it to fifty people who had never tried VR before in their life, and it was it was amazing to see people's responses. Um, I, I remember one guy; he ran in, he he physically ran into the couch and almost broke his ankle. Um, another person, uh, so another person was playing for so long. You know, in virtual reality, there's no sense of physicality with objects, right? right? So he came out, and then he went over to talk to me, and he slammed his hand against the table because he was so <laughs> used to having his hand go through oh, no. objects. It's amazing. Yeah, and then and then I demoed it to some people at a gaming lounge, and there was two really crazy stories. One was um, there was I, I was we were trying to tell people how to play before they played. And we, I said, duck, and I was screaming at the person, duck, duck, duck. And they were just pressing down on the keypad. And I was like, I had to go up and mm. push them down <laughs> and be like, duck, this is how you do it. Yeah, right. And just that yeah, right. idea that you are the controller for the first time. Um, and there was another experience where we put a headset on someone and they just ran. They literally <laughs> just ran. They to the next wall. Into- <laughs> just like that one running.
0: video you see it's where the quick. lady runs into the corner yeah
1: it's it's, it's hilarious yeah. it's amazing yeah it's right good. okay so you, you, basically you first put this head, a headset on and then very soon you found out okay that is something that i want to work on
2: yeah.
1: um tell us a bit more like how you got to um start live which is kind of revolutionizing that mixed reality space
2: yeah. So uh, the first company I started was Live. Uh, a lot of people who've seen these uh, super viral mixed reality videos, where they see someone inside of Beat Saber, was the best example. Beat Saber, example. the first exactly, yeah, the first the big thing, right? the big one. Wow, yeah, yeah, that, that was amazing. That was yeah. Big. yeah, people were doing mixed reality before then. Okay. Uh, the, the actually the original uh, game developers that uh, showed it was um, Fantastic Contraption.
1: That All was right. the first
2: okay that was yep. the first company to livestream mixed reality. But yeah, so the story was basically there was a, a VR collective here in San Francisco called Upload VR. They still do publications, but back then they also had a, a co-working space here in San Francisco. And I got ex- and I got accepted to work there because I was starting to get super excited about VR and there was a guy there named Oz and so Oz is known in the VR space, he has done a bunch of, uh, he's doing drones now, he's done volumetric capturing, he's, he's basically one of the original OGs of, of the content creator space. And he was in there and he had a studio where he was doing mixed reality. And whenever I was working on you know, my various different projects, I would always go in there and I would work with him on mixed reality. And we did live streams in mixed reality and you know all these really cool things together. And I looked at the technology and I said, you know what, this is a a connection of a lot of the things that I understand, which is VFX and hardware. How do we create this as a consumer product? How do we get people like normal people in their living rooms to actually do this? Um, So I actually uh, connected with two of the friends that I was living with, you know, this 50 person house, they had moved out and they got an apartment. And in their living room, I literally sent up a massive green screen and we just started hacking away. How do we, how do we turn this into a consumer product? How do we, it was, you know, it was the most humble of beginnings. I literally slept on the couch and sometimes I actually slept in the green screen. So like I was, (laughs) it was very humble beginnings. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, AJ and Pierre, who, you know, AJ is the current CEO of uh, of Liv. And uh, yeah, that's the very humble origins of that company. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
1: All the best greetings to Dr. Doom. I also talked yeah, with him yeah. before. He's a great guy. And um, yeah, cool. Very cool that you started together with him. So, um, so with Liv... How easy was it to get capital, or is, was it self-funded? Um, tell us a bit more about the beginnings and uh, how easy or complicated it was to get started with a VR company.
2: Yeah, so uh, VR was still trending back then, so it was still you know it was still cool. It, was it not wasn't dead people, yet. It wasn't. It wasn't the dead state, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. A, a fucking <laughs> chasm in our space, right? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, we got into Techstars Los Angeles, oh, which perfect. is down in Los perfect. Angeles. And, uh, you know, Techstars is, a, is, a, is an accelerator that gives you $120,000 um, and then basically puts you through, basically preparing you to, to fundraise. Um, it's a great program. Uh, we all went down there together. Um, and uh, yeah, we uh, we basically that's how you know Live actually became a proper company versus you know three guys trying to <laughs> figure some, something out in their living room, right? Um, yeah, so so from there we brought in uh, we brought in several different people who were working on the space. So there was um, a few different people who were building things in mixed reality, and instead of competing with them, we just reached out to them and say, hey, you want to work with us? Um, and one of them was Rue, who's Stefan Donnell, who was one of the original OG live streamers in the, in the VR space. Uh, and he was actually working on something called Mixtra, which was a, a mixed reality product. And when we were in Techstars, we, you know, we, we basically used that money to hire him. That was the very okay. first thing we did because we were like, there was all these people who were doing these really cool things in mixed reality. And we we're like, we don't want to compete with these people. Let's just all come together and work on this together. Um, so he, right. he, was, he was one person that we hired. Uh, we hi- hired a guy who created something called Viver. Uh, which was, but if 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 anybody remembers how to calibrate mixed reality in the beginning, at the very beginning, you literally had to use physical calipers and like adjust it because it's trying to match a, a physical camera to a virtual camera. right. So calibrating right. it to be able to tell where the camera was was a massive undertaking. so we we hired a guy in Prague um, who's who's named Jaroslav, and he was building the way to calibrate. Mixed reality without any additional, like you have to see visual markers and QR codes. Even Facebook was using, you had to print out something and put a checkered grid in front of you in order to, to do that. So then we hired him, and it, it basically, you know, it, it came together as a bunch of uh, a collective of these people working on this. There was another guy here in San Francisco who was working on the connect background remo- removal. Mm-hmm. Um, and his name is David. We hired him. We basically took all the, the, the independent people and, and brought them together uh, into one mixed reality roof, basically. Wow.
1: Very exciting. Right. And the, the company is doing very well still, right? Lyft, they are like uh, the market leader for this kind of mixed reality capture, actually, for, yeah. for VR, right? Exciting. Yeah.
2: Very cool. Actually, crazy story. So one of our employees was in Prague. Right. And, this is, and he, he, he was telling us about this game. He was like, "There's this game uh, that the people I know who are making, and there's lightsabers and in VR." And we were like, <laughs> right, "Really? Prague, right. Exactly. This was actually the origin, the the, the or, like the beginning of Beat Saber, right?" And. He's like, yeah, we got the first build in the United States of this game because the guy that we were working with was in Prague. Wow. He he was like, this game is really cool. So we had an alpha, alpha, like a super alpha build of Beat Saber. And he was telling us this is going to be the next big thing. And we played it. And we were like, this is is really freaking cool. But what was so amazing about it for us is that it works so perfectly with mixed reality. Right. Because... One of the biggest issues with mixed reality was it, I honestly, it doesn't work with most games. Most games you look at it and you go, like anytime the context is constantly switching and you're like looking that way, or you're looking this way, or like there's something happening behind you, it just fails because, you know, like people who are watching don't know what the hell is going on anymore. But what was so magical about Beat Saber and mixed reality was you could have a camera at a fixed point And then the person could understand everything that's happening. So we were like, this is the perfect game for mixed reality. Absolutely perfect game for mixed reality. Right. So yeah, we got an early build of it. So the story goes, we got an early build of it. And uh, there's uh, one of the people who worked with us was named uh, Swan. and uh, she's the girl in these viral Beat Saber videos, right? Oh, right. The Escape video. Yeah, right. yeah, the yeah, Escape, yeah. the Escape video that went oh, That was fun, the big right? one, right? And yeah. she was working with us, and uh, she's also a fire dancer, so she knows how to do like fire dancing movements and everything. And she loves wearing like eccentric dresses all the time and stuff like that. So she, you know, she's she's really cool, and uh, we were working together and we were making mixed reality content. Um, and she went in there and she, she was like, okay, I'm just gonna record a video. And she recorded it and we didn't think, we literally didn't think a whole lot about it. She just went in there, I started the recording, she played a game, she did really well, she only missed I think one note. And then we, we stopped the recording and then we were like, yeah, let's post it on YouTube. So we post on YouTube. We didn't think about it at all. Wow, And so that is really surprising. L- I go down to LA the next day and I wake up, I'm sleeping on someone's couch, you know, from Techstars or something. And um, all of a sudden, my my messages are exploding, just completely exploding. And they're like, you're on the front page of GameSpot. And I'm like, what? And I go there, and it's like 30 million views just in the wow. last two hours. Okay. And it's they had stolen our video. They had stolen oh, our video. Hell. They had taken out the watermark, and they had provided a zero attribution. And they had said, "What?" what Yes, they took out everything. They even took out our watermark. What? No attribution whatsoever. Wow. And then they said, they said, what if beats, uh, what if Star Wars met Guitar Hero? Wow. And then they wow. co-opted and stole our video and throw it on there. And the only reason that we got attributed was the t- number one comment was one of Swan's friends who was like, you stole this video from Liv. You know, you need to give them proper attribution. Whatever. That's crazy. And the, that, and then that video became a series of videos and i would say honestly those videos were one of the consumer tilt points in the vr space because exactly. those videos those videos hit nearly a billion views so it was it was kind of like that convergence point to this is becoming more of a consumer product this is this is getting closer to mass market because i mean we were still in the vive and and rift days right most people couldn't afford a headset at all, so the only way they could really experience VR was through the 2D con- uh, content, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. So wow, you've actually helped VR get into the mainstream by making these kind of videos or like enabling these kind of videos to show people how cool VR actually is and that is pretty amazing. So it must have. Can felt, I ask? Yep. Oh, go, you go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Just before before you move on to the
0: next uh, his next business, I did right. want to ask one thing about Live, but I can wait till later.
2: No, it's okay. Go for it. You go for it, for it now. Okay. It.
0: One thing I am curious about. It's not exactly Live itself, but but you probably would understand the answer to this. So one of the biggest problems I think we have in VR right now too is that like trailers of vr games i I think eventually we should have this future where we could be wearing a vr headset and you could see like a vr trailer and the way i would imagine it I don't know if you've ever played this game called Blasters of the Universe or something like that, or just your typical wave shooter type game where somebody's standing somewhere, they're shooting stuff. And I've always imagined, like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, I could stand, like, three or four feet behind that guy in my VR headset and just see him doing his thing, but I'm in the actual game engine that the game is running in. Is that possible? Is that impossible? Like, what's
2: the deal with that? So, I have... I'm going to have a pretty hot take here. I think spectatorship in VR, VR to VR, is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> because the, 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 the problem is I'm wearing this super heavy headset. If I am not constantly interested to like a, a significant degree into what's happening, I am not going to want to keep, keep the headset on. So one of, the biggest, one of the biggest focuses I had at Live was how do we make it interesting outside of the headset? And that's for the reason of economics. A lot of people can't afford a headset, but also just because you know, there's, it's just not comfortable. It's just not comfortable to wear a headset and spectate someone. So there's actually a company who built something kind of what you're describing. And they were actually our competitors at Live, and they raised like 20 times more money than we did. It was called v Real. So v right. pitch was, we are the Twitch of VR. So the the, the problem is, when you look at normal live streaming right now, basically all you're doing is you're capturing your screen and you're streaming it to a CDN and then someone receives it on the other side, right? Right, So that's that's basically the technology that's happening. It's more complicated than that, but that's basically what's happening. The problem with the whole idea of Twitch for VR while you're in VR is that it has to be so tightly designed into the game itself. And so one of the, one of the reasons VReal failed was that in order to incorporate spectating in a VR game requires a massive amount of effort and a digital, uh, original design from the game developer. You can't just like say, I'm gonna stream the screen and then put it out there. You have to have the virtual camera, you have to sync the people coming in. It's a, it's a laundry list. So the, so the problem is, and I actually spoke to a few people who integrated Vreal back then, was that they go, they, they are asking us to do 90% of the work of what this would be basically if we did it ourselves. So like as a game developer, you go, well, if I want to create spectator tools, I'll just do it myself. Because then you're, 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 you're asking for 90% of the effort and then taking all the value, right? Because then they would be the ones controlling the, the content stream. So, so so, that's the issue, is that in theory, it sounds like a great pitch. You go, Twitch for VR, oh, it's so cool, right? Mm. Um, and then some other approaches people have taken. Uh, there's another company called Sliver, Sliver, uh, Sliver which also did something kind of like that. But their approach was, I wear a, uh, HMD, and I look at someone inside of a normal game. So in a game engine, you could basically just say, okay, I'm looking from this point in in the game. So basically what they did is they had you be able to watch counter-strike and see it in 360 degrees and stuff like that but again it goes back to people do not want to wear a headset to spectate right yeah people much more so but a
0: three minute trailer though like like see the thing is we don't So as a VR consumer, right, I'm a guy that buys VR games. I love VR games. I watch trailers on YouTube, but you watch a trailer on YouTube and you have no idea whether you're really going to like that game in, in actual real life. And I just always thought it would be cool if somehow there were like in-engine trailers, it would only be a couple of minutes. I'm not spending the entire day in there. I'd get bored too. But if it was just a little three-minute trailer or two-minute trailer, because then you see the actual game engine. You know what
2: the graphics are actually going to look like. Um, I just think that would be cool. I don't know. I think the problem with that is, so in these game engines, in order to do something like that, you'd have to copy the entire scene. So you'd basically have this massive file to be able to view it, you basically ah, yeah, yeah. you basically have to download a demo of the whole game, right? right because then you'd have right. to be able to see that perspective, and you'd have to have all the assets on your computer. Okay. So, okay. So, so that's the problem there. It's just it's 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 possible. It's just it's like is anybody going to download it? You know, a, a fifty gigabyte you know trailer, basically, right? Right.
1: Got it. So. Now you have been working at Live for quite. You've been working. You've been starting up Live for quite some time. But it seems like your actual passion is more about fitness, right? And fitness in VR is that right? Or, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So tell us more about um, your fitness. What is the the basic principle of your fitness, or why you are? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Is it your or is it why you are? How would you call it it
2: was, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek you could pronounce it both ways um so uh, in order to understand this a little bit more about my life story uh so my name is six it was not my birth name i legally changed my name to my world of warcraft character <laughs> that, that's, how, that's how that that's how, is so cool that's how serious i take uh video games or right, at one point in my life um so i had identity theft and Uh, basically what happened was, is, you know, the, the, the credit agencies and the government told me, well, you know, you can basically freeze your credit for the rest of your life or you can change your name. And I was like, okay, I'm going (laughs) to change my name. And I remember sitting at, you know, the world of Warcraft starting screen, you know, thinking so much about, you know, what I'm going to call myself, uh, and I called myself six and it, and six became what I was called more in a day-to-day basis than my real name. Uh, so it became, you know, because I played, I was online so much, uh, in various different ways. So it became more of my identity than my real name. The reason this, uh, I'm I'm telling this story is because one of the biggest things I think is that video games are the opiates of our generation. Mm -hmm. And I say that negatively, but also I need like people are so addicted to video games. It might as well be opiates. And this is the reality, especially if you look at kids. And I'm not saying that, and, and well, what I'm saying is that, that this can be solved through the very opiates themselves, basically. So if we can make video games that are active, that are interesting enough for people to play, then we can solve sedentary behavior. Otherwise, we're going to have generations and generations of kids who are extremely unhealthy and are basically on a roadmap to either diabetes or heart disease. Oh can I, can I
0: bring up a quick little point cuz what you're touching on here is exactly what I'm talking about in a certain way so I've had this theory like I have this long distance theory that like 10 15 25 years from now obesity rates are gonna really drop considerably. And to me, I think AR and VR is gonna be a ginormous part of this. And I and I was telling people about it, and everybody was like, no, that doesn't matter, man. <laughs> it's calories in, calories out, exercise. To, and I was like, no, it's gonna change the way people like. I can see people with AR headsets on and you're doing some little game and you're moving all around. You're moving your body, you're walking over and you don't even realize that you're actually like, burning a lot more calories you're not just sitting down it changes the freaking game and i really do believe like obesity rates are gonna kind of dip have have you ever seen that one ar demo where somebody's playing like mario uh it's almost like a mario game and they're like on a skateboard on like a magic leap one and they're like collecting coins in (laughs) real life on like the santa cruz
2: like that that shit
0: is gonna happen man
2: yeah so anyway go ahead okay yeah (laughs) So, I mean, no, this is definitely a dialogue here. But so there's a reason for that. And this is why I believe so strongly in exercise and VR. So look at what happened to headphones. If, if everybody remembers the old days of headphones, you had these big, huge things on your head. Would you ever look at that and say every single person in the gym is going <laughs> to have headphones in their head in the next 10 years? No, people would look at that and go, "What the fu-? You know, what is this big thing you're putting on your head?" And it's because you are immersing your, your 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 ears into audio, and it's allowing you to focus on something that would otherwise be too boring. So when people go to the gym and they're exercising, they're listening to all these different music, and what it's doing is it's helping the brain cope with the fact that they're actually bored right? If you're listening to all these different things. So take that same logic and, and realize that 70% of our senses are controlled by vision. 70% of how we perceive our environment is, comes through our eyes. Now, what VR is doing is hijacking your brain and basically putting you in a fight or flight response to force you to move in order to survive. So like when you're playing something like Gorilla Tag, it's activating the flight response because you're running away from other people. When you're playing a game that's really active and it's based off you being attacked or some type of response, you have to respond or you will die. Or at least like your brain is kind of responding that way, right? And so what I believe is the ultimate hack here is basically you're, you're telling your brain you have to respond to survive and then you don't even realize that you're exercising, you don't even realize I'm I'm at 160 180 heart rate. I was yeah, playing accidental
0: ex- exercise. Accidental. accidental. Exercise.
2: Yeah. I I got up to 184 BPM the other day playing my friend in a game, and I didn't I didn't even feel like I was there. I didn't even feel I didn't even feel like it. So so what we're and and then a, a final part about that is the way that we communicate exercise now is the same way that people see a salad, right? They go, oh, I don't want to eat a salad. I don't want to be healthy, like whatever. Gamers don't want to be told to exercise. But if they were in a game and the mechanics of the game required them to move, they're gamers. They want to win, right? Mm-hmm. right. So I, I think it's, it's going to be one of the biggest ways to prevent generational obesity is VR gaming.
1: Wow. So
2: that, that, was, that, was, that was like my big you know, focus of, of why I'm in that space at all.
1: Right, so, so give us a short explanation of what your fitness does.
2: Yeah, so YUR uh, basically was, is a utility uh, that runs in the background and it analyzes movement data. And with that movement data, it predicts various different things. It'll predict how many calories you burn. It'll uh, assume what your heart rate is. Basically, the way we designed it ultimately... Is we had a large subset of people wearing heart rate trackers, and then we compare that with machine learning to to people's acceleration, velocity, and then be able to assume how what their heart rate is, and then we'd use basically the standard model of you know you compared to your your heart rate compared to your BMI is how many calories you're burning, um, because uh, what what people don't realize why that's so hard is because if you controlled the game and knew what the game was, you could do a prediction model pretty easily. You would basically just say, okay, when there's this much velocity, we can assume that this is how many calories someone is burning. It's not that difficult. What becomes really hard is when you do it across every single headset, and you do it across every single game, because then you don't know what their lower body is doing. You don't know like if they're leaning left or right or all these other things. So you have to use a, a, a predictive model to be able to assume you know, based off the user behavior, what they're, how much physical expenditure they're doing. So, yeah, that was, that was essentially what the core technology of YUR was. It was, or is, is uh, yeah, a fitness utility that runs in the background that turns all this positional right. data into, right. yeah.
1: Okay, super okay. interesting. And now we're getting to the exciting part that I really want to know more about. So you wanted to bring this to the Quest, of course, right? Yeah. Because that's
2: where it is. And <laughs> the trauma train. Now we're getting into the trauma train now. <laughs> yeah, right,
1: right. Now we're getting into the exciting parts. So you wanted to bring this to the Quest, obviously, because the Quest is where it's at, where a lot of people are buying this headset, obviously. And it was not so simple, Could I say it like this? Tell tell us more about your quest to be on the quest with your.
2: (laughs) Okay, so uh, so I was always a little skeptical of Facebook. Um, We had a meeting with them in OC6 and they had just announced something called MRC. So MRC is a competitor to live. Uh, it's called uh, Mixed Reality Creator or something like that. It's the SDK. So right. I was already kind of like, you know what? I know what you guys do. I know you guys co-op everything. You know, this is, this is, this is who you are. This is, I mean, Facebook is basically just a, a company that co-ops everyone around them and, you know, finds a way to uh, exploit their existing user base to, to adopt it. Um, so I had a meeting in OC6, and this was right after I announced why you are on the Quest. And we had it on SideQuest that became, like, one of the top utilities uh, right away. And I had a meeting in there, and I was joking with a guy named Matt Conte, who was my main point of contact. Um, And I was joking with them. I was like, wow, you you released a mixed reality SDK this year. I wouldn't be surprised if you released a fitness tracker next year. (laughs) Literally to the day, to the day, it was the exact one year mark from when I had that conversation they came out with Oculus Move, which was an exact rip, like to outrageous level of what we made at YUR. Wow. And, and the, the problem was with that year, they were communicating with us that they were gonna work with us. They were communicating, they were, we sent them white papers. We like, and people say, you know, oh, well, you know, why would you ever do that to Facebook? What option do you have in, in, the, in the VR space? Like, y- if you're not on the Quest, you don't have the ability to, to reach a mainstream audience. It's just not the way, it's, just, it's, it's the way it is. So we were trying our hardest to be compliant with the Facebook policies. We were sending them you know, everything that they were requesting and then all of a sudden they disappeared. And then you know, months later they come back and they aggressively try to make us sign something and they're basically trying to send us, you know, uh, geez, I don't even know how much I can say here without getting <laughs> um, Oh, no. Yeah, just, I'll, I'll avoid that part of the, the okay. conversation. But basically, they were in active communication with us, asking us about everything, trying to get as much. And then all of a sudden, they try, they, their firmware update started to break our app.
1: They wow. started to break okay. our app
2: over and over again. And we were like, what's going on? Can you give us early firmware? Why are you breaking our app? And, and, and to anybody, any skeptic who says, oh, this wasn't targeted at you, we had an overlay that is the exact same as Oculus Move that they disabled and we were the only company that was using a persistent overlay, the only one. In one of the firmware uh, versions they, so they kept breaking our app and then all of a sudden they started to, to start poaching my engineers. All of a sudden my engineers started getting these secret emails in their personal inbox and they were Facebook was trying to poach my engineers so they, they wouldn't let us in the store they were breaking our app with firmware and now they're trying to poach my team and here I am a you know relatively small startup and I'm like, what the hell <laughs> like, I can't believe that they would go to such level to fight us like it's and crazy. so they won't so, so we, we're not even in the store at this point we have to run on side quests. Um. And so, yeah, the, the, then Oculus Move comes out an exact one year from when I had that conversation with Matt Conte, uh, and it's an exact rip of, of what we're doing, and yeah, they, they basically publicly executed Why You Are. It was, it was, it was terrible. It was one of the most uh, traumatic things, like that plus the pandemic, 2020 was a fucked up year. Let's just put it wow. that way. Wow. <laughs>
1: That is is really unbelievable. I mean, we know that Facebook basically is simply like ripping off the competition. Like, let's say, for example, I don't know, let's say uh, um, like Instagram, the stories, right? It's everything comes from from other companies and they're simply doing it, copying other things and they get away with it,
2: (laughs) basically. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things I really want to emphasize is copying is a culture that exists in software. So I'm not necessarily saying copying is bad. What I'm saying is bad is blocking someone out of the store that 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 is is creating a competitive product to you and trying to steal their team and intentionally breaking their product. Because honestly, if Oculus Move came out and YUR was there and Oculus Move was right next to it, it'd be fine. I'd be like, whatever. Okay. You guys fight your game. We'll do Apple health. We'll do Google fit, whatever. Right. You know, like you play your race, we'll play our race. The difference that people don't understand is when you exist on a third party app store like this, they can just watch all your users and all your data and decide when to co-op you. Mm -hmm. And that's, what's the scary part of these app stores is you think, oh, I'm a developer and I'm on this app store and the, like, the first party that I'm hosting on this is not going like, to come and just try to execute me someday. But basically what happens is at a certain point of success, these companies, I mean, Apple kind of does the same thing. They go, how do we consolidate this towards our own ecosystem and make a better version of what is trending in our own third-party stores? And then on top of that, they do something always something, even if it's relatively small, to make their own first party app better. I'll give you a perfect example. Mm-hmm. The Apple Watch can't write heart rate data. You can't write heart rate data with, heart, with the Apple Watch because they intentionally close down their ecosystems. But I mean, I'm not saying that Facebook is the only one that does this. All these platforms do this, where they always have a, third, a first party advantage always with you as a developer. And so, you know, like you come, you know, when I first came to Silicon Valley, I had starry eyes and, and like, imagine all the things I can create as a, you know, as a startup, right? But you, 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 spend a long enough time in the startup space and you realize it's not about what you can do in theory. It's about what these big companies let you do. All what right. they let. You do.
1: Okay. Well. That is not really great for developers. Do you think that Facebook kind of is like shooting themselves in the food because developers do not want to innovate anymore for 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 on their technology? Because they must be afraid that it's going to be taken away from them anyways?
2: I think everybody's responding to what Facebook is doing. Um, I know a few developers who are creating utilities who are now making games. Okay. and. The unfortunate reality is with, with the amount of distribution that Facebook has, you, ca- you have to play by their rules. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can't g- get, your own, uh, get your own thing out. I mean, going back a little bit to the whole why you are story, I was not right. the only – let's be real. I ask everyone in the audience, what do you – do what does everyone here think App Labs is? It's a way to kill side quest. If you go straight to App Labs, you never have to touch SideQuest. Don't you guys think that's kind of suspicious? Like, a lot of people, like, there's a difference between what a developer can say publicly and what is actually happening. Mm -hmm. App Lab is clearly a way to kill SideQuest because they want to control those developers. And look at all the other examples I made. Do you not think it's kind of you know somewhat surprising that horizon looks almost exactly the same as Rec Room which is the number 1 social title on their platform or right. how how virtual desktop couldn't get their wireless streaming approved but Facebook is working on their own wireless streaming there are there are examples after examples of this where Facebook is intentionally preventing third party developers from ever tr- reaching a level that they could be competitive with them. So they basically keep you in purgatory. They're like, nope, nope, nope. You're getting too (laughs) successful. You're getting too successful. Get out of here. You're getting too much data. Get out of here. We're going to kill you.
1: Yeah, right. That makes sense. I I must say, like, um, they are doing everything in a very smart way. Like, for example, what if, with, yeah. with, with SideQuest, right? They, they don't just say, okay, like, it's, uh, we're not allowing SideQuest. They, they're saying, like, okay, we're working together with you. Everything is very smart. Everything is really, really smart. And it's, uh, it simply feels like they are getting their way with this kind of smart approach. And it, it seems like not many people are raising their voices. Like, for example, when they forced, like, forced Facebook login upon us I can just say, okay, like um, YouTube, the VR YouTube scene, they were making a fuss about it. Like, oh, that's very bad. But then like two weeks afterwards, they are like talking about the XR2 chipset. And then for most of YouTube, most of VR YouTube was like, wow, amazing. Facebook, they are like uh, the profits of VR. It has the XR2 chipset. It only cost $299 and everything was forgotten. The whole forced Facebook login is not a topic anymore. Well, here on MRTV, yes. But on most of other, most of the other VR YouTube channels, it's about like hyping the frigging shit out of the Quest 2 because it, it helps them, of course. Be, yeah, right? they,
2: they get paid Right, right. That's the dark (laughs) secret of all this. All these, I swear to God, I swear to God, a lot of the people who don't speak publicly about Facebook, they're getting paid either in the form of grants or they're getting them in the form of like promotional licensing. Oftentimes when you get a title on the Quest, they'll give you a set amount of money to basically operate as a a grant. And in terms of that grant, usually have an exclusivity contract. The reason no one talks about this is because no one has any incentive to economically. Right. So right. i mean, and MTV. I out, right. When, when when I when I came out about my story on Facebook, the the like the, the larger ecosystem of people kind of concerned about Facebook supported me, but so many people in the VR space that were developers said nothing. And, and, and the only time I got a response from some of them were DMs. Like, I support you, <laughs> but never publicly said right, shit. Right, right, right. You know? and, and, and that's the reality. When you get a monster the size of Faith, you know what? I don't blame them. If they're going to survive in the, I the totally VR space, exactly. yeah they I, have I, to I, I, bow to Zuckerberg. They have yeah, to be right. like, yeah, it makes sense, well, right? You it, have to it, kiss
1: it. the ring. You have to kiss Mark's yeah. ring if you want to um, thrive or if, you, if you're earning most of your money from Facebook, of course, you would not openly criticize them. I, I totally yeah. get it. Like, so it, it makes sense. But it, I must say, for me personally, it was like very surprising to see that, like how everything turned out here on, on VR YouTube. Like that, that like very few people are actually like criticizing the fact that they're forcing you to log into the quest with your Facebook account, which has so many kind of like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it has so many privacy concerns like, locked to it, right? Like, everything you do in virtual reality, everything you look at, your movement patterns, like, it's its a treasure trove of your personal data that you're giving away to Facebook. And, well, their business model is not VR games. Their business model is to get to know you and to make profit out of you, right? And yeah. if, if, like, you are, like, outspoken about it, well, it's not going to help you with your um, subscriber count on YouTube. But you know what? Yeah. I give a fresh fuck about it. I don't care about it. I, I like to... To stick to my guns and tell people what i think about it but well i know that for this thing i'm like in the minority they're like a very vast minority because well it's it's not helping me economically right and uh, well that's like how the world is but yeah it's a bit sad
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i sent you a link on uh, facebook um right. you, sh- you should you uh, should you should you should play or not Facebook, sorry, Twitter about on Twitter. Um so one of the things that I recorded was how uh Boz, who's the head of their VR initiative, he said something about how they're so concerned about privacy, blah 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 blah. Right, right. Um, I know. Recently, but if you go like to- a couple of weeks ago, yeah, right. Uh, if If you go to the privacy settings um, and it lists basically what an app is actually pulling from you, um if you go to the Oculus uh, uh, app on your mobile device, it's literally like like five pages of information that they're taking from you from that mobile app. So the whole like we're privacy conscious thing is is just a ruse. It's just a complete ruse. So I, I think you know people just need to be aware of that. This is, it's the way it is. You're, you're subsidizing the headset with your data.
0: Yeah, of course. And what do you not- think, I was saying, real quick, what do you think of like the comment that people will make like Twitter, Twitter saying, hey, you don't like it, build your own Twitter. You don't like it, build your own Quest 2 ecosystem. What do you say to that?
2: Networking effects with Facebook are so strong that they have become the phone book of the internet. And when you're that scale, you can't leave a platform. You can't. Because then if you leave the platform, you lose, you know, 20 years of connections. The, 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 that's why, you know, back in the day, the government had to, to, to regulate these telephone companies. Because if you give so much control to that, the point of reference of, of, of a human contact and connection is controlled by a company. I mean, you could wake up tomorrow on Facebook could com- completely destroy 90% of their product offerings and people still wouldn't leave the, the product because it's where all their friends are on already, where their family is already on. That's right, the yeah. biggest issue. Right. Facebook is right. no longer a social network. They're like, they're basically like a, like a phone book. Public utility. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right, right. So Six, I want to ask you, when do you believe is Facebook really going to use the VR data that they can harvest? So. Like, I don't think, well, at this moment in time, probably they're not really doing it, right? Right now, like people playing Beat Saber, people playing whatever games are on the Quest, they're probably not still using it. But what do you believe, when are they going to use that data and are they harvesting it right now already?
2: So um, they actually, as much as I hate Facebook, uh, (laughs) they actually are a bit privacy conscious on the headset itself. So um, the only thing that I know for certain that is being sent from the headset is when you do hand tracking. So when you do hand tracking, it's, uh, it's, it's sending the data of your hands and where it's at um, in order to improve the, the, the model, the, the model to actually back your hands. Um, but the Oculus app itself, is still pulling, you know, as much, if not more, data than your Facebook application. So, on the actual headset, I think they're taking a, a, a bit of, a bit of a more privacy conscious uh, approach. Okay. Um, I it's think it's
0: mostly technological. Like, like the headsets just aren't ready to track the things that you want to track yet. Well, I think they it, could
2: already. Yeah, yeah. They technically could. the 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 issue is the data stream from sending that much raw data of tracking information is just a lot. It's just a lot, right? And there's they're they're already you know strapping a smartphone processor to a you know trying to do all this stuff, right? So they're they're reaching the technical limits of what the headset can do right now. So I think their biggest that one of the biggest limits that they have is is how much further can they push the Quest, right? Right, right.
1: So actually, my my theory is that the actual end game is more about AR and the AR layer that's going to be over our world, right? Because at one point we're going to step out in our world using any kind of uh, AR headset and then whatever we look at it's it's like um, yeah, advertisement. Like we we see a car and then we're going to see okay in our AR headset. Okay, you can buy that car right now and get more information about it. And depends on your AR layer that you're using. Are you using the Google layer? Are you using the Apple layer? Or are you using the 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 Facebook layer? And the company that is owning that AR layer, they're going to make the most money. So. In my opinion, my theory is that now this whole thing with Facebook forcing us to use the Facebook login, it is like a way for them to tie us already to that Facebook ecosystem to get us into that ecosystem where we have already given our permission that they're using all our data so that in the future, they are the, the company that owns that AR layer and they can show us their um, advertisements on the real world using they are, they, their AR, yeah, like ads using their AR headsets. What do you think, Six? Am I correct
2: with that kind of theory? So um, one of the, the secret projects that Facebook works on is getting 3D assets to digitize as various different uh, branded versions of it. For example, let's say that in Unity or a game engine, I have an object defined as a can, right? And it has a certain mesh, like it has the actual physical mesh around it. What Facebook wants to do is be able to take that and turn it into a Pepsi can or turn that into a can, right? So in VR, that looks like, okay, I I have a virtual object, and it's branded whatever. And then maybe they give a cut back to the developer or whatever. But in AR, it's a relatively similar technology where they're mapping, you know, something like this, they're assuming a mesh around it, and then they're going to say, this is a Pepsi, right? Right. Or do you want a Pepsi instead of a Coke or something like that? <clears throat> so it's just, it's, it's, I don't, it, the, the truth is, as <sighs> Facebook is not a company that knows everything, and they're not moving towards some future that they even know. That's the truth. What Facebook as a company is, is h- entirely data driven. So if you've ever worked at Facebook or you understand what their culture is, everything in the company has to be structured from data. So if you have a, a, a PM meeting and you say, okay, we need to build this product, you have to bring data of why you need to build that product. You say, okay, you know, 30,000 users are using this. We estimate that the next users are gonna be 50,000. Everything in the company is driven by data. Even the current app submission process with App Lab, you submit it to App Lab, and then the way they determine whether or not it goes into the store is based off usage metrics. So then they go, okay, this this app is used enough that we will put it into the store. So instead of doing the old methods where they would, you know, talk to developers and have a, you know, a, some type of devrel person talk to you and figure it out, everything is based off data. So, if you're ever wondering what Facebook is doing, they're just watching the data. They go, hey, VR fitness is a big thing. Why do we know that? Look at the data. You know, this other thing in VR is a big deal. Why is that? Look at the data. They don't know what the hell they're doing, honestly. They're just looking at the data. And they have enough money to, to power everybody else out of the space. Right. Hey
0: real quick, I know we're kind of running out of time on this episode and I wanted to get I wanted to ask one last thing while we got six on here about fitness and VR because like I'm a believer in it as well. I think this is a really cool thing, but I think one of the problems that we have, so back yeah. in the 90s I think it was or maybe it was the late 80s, Sony Sony had the Sony Walkman and then they came out with the Sports Walkman. And it was yellow and it was like waterproof and it was more rugged and stuff. And when are we gonna get that for VR? When are we gonna have like, when is someone gonna design a VR headset where? It's designed to be able to have, like, facial things that pop off of it really quickly, and you could have, like, ten extra ones, and they they absorb your sweat. Because, like, the whole sweat thing, the the weight of it all, my son plays Creed on my Oculus Quest all the time, and he gets it all sweaty and soaky, and I'm like, ah, oh, dude. And I know, yeah, you can get, like, headbands and stuff, and you can get all these aftermarket things, but don't you think at some point, like, actual um HMD designers are going to have to look into you know fitness is a thing maybe we should do something about this or is it just too expensive to try to create some kind of like hybrid quest that's designed for fitness
2: I, I think it all it all goes down to <clears throat> market size and uh whether or not someone would actually care enough right um so I think VR fitness is a great use case and one of the biggest use cases of VR. Uh, but it, the companies like Facebook are more focused on like, mass consumer adoptability, right? And if you're ever wondering who is Facebook truly scared of, it's Apple, period. Mm-hmm. Apple is uh, they're, They are more scared of Apple than they are of the federal government of the United States. They are more scared of Apple destroying their company. and the the new privacy releases are coming out. Twenty five. They're going to estimate uh, taking out twenty five percent of their mobile revenue. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so Apple and Facebook are basically going to be like the Google versus Apple of the yesteryear with the mobile devices. And I think the answer to that question is, if you remember, in the smartphone race, there was like. Iteration. It went from like uh, you know a massive thing to like the trio Palm Pilot to you know the 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 Blackberries. You know there was like this constant iteration. But then we eventually landed on the you know the the full screen format, and then there was a few more years of consolidation, and then all of a sudden a bunch of smaller startups could come and make their own version of an Android operating system phone, right? And so, what VR, what's going to happen in VR is we're going to get to that that critical point where making hardware in VR can be done by a startup, because until it reaches that point to where the hardware is basically not like custom made and custom design and all this other stuff, and then they only have to like custom design the face panels and stuff like that. That's when you see, you know, these type of uh, uh, market specific products start to come out. So I would say, and you know, it's going to take a few more years, but, uh, it'll eventually get there. They're just so focused on making it small Mm -hmm. and Facebook is, you know, so scared of Apple. Um, that's, they're focusing on that.
1: Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. We, we do kind of get to our two hours, Mark, but I still want to ask six one question. So if somebody comes to you right now and asks you, okay, Six, um, I would like to check out virtual reality. <laughs> what kind of VR headset should I buy? Do you recommend them? <laughs> do you recommend them to, really to, to get the Quest? Yeah, I do. I do. Do you recommend them to get the Quest too? Or um, should they be concerned about the Facebook login thingy? <laughs> so what, what do you tell those people? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my God! Uh, I tell those people that you know be aware of what Facebook is, but the Quest Two is the best consumer headset. Right. It's really sad for me to say. It's <laughs> like I'm I'm like saying something as you know, and I'm I'm hurting myself as I say it. But you know, like yeah, it, I get it. The, the, the problem is at this exact moment there is no proper competitor. Right. I just want. To be aware of what they're really doing and to be willing to jump the ship. I, I think if if PlayStation VR creates a, a, a ball or new headset, you know, don't don't show any respect to Facebook. Respect that the fact that they're blowing so much money on the space, respect that. You know, they, they're spending more money than anybody else. But the second that you have an opportunity to leave, that there is a, a product parity by another company. Mm-hmm do that right. just just don't don't give some type of brand affinity to to Facebook
1: okay i think that makes lots of sense and um yeah so you mentioned sony do you think that sony is the only company that could do that or do you think that apple could do it or probably htc what is what is or or valve what what do you think who has the best shot to create that product which creates the parody
2: i think so PlayStation is going to do better at games. PlayStation is notoriously good at uh, creating premium experiences. The only concern I have with the PlayStation um, is they said there's going to be a cable. And you know, th- th- they've announced that. And I- I'm really hoping <laughs> that it's like a mistake or something. <laughs> like, you know, Their PR team was like, well, we don't want to like, make them too excited or something. But the- 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 having a cable in VR, I, I, I can't support it. I can't support it anymore. Okay. When, you ha- when you can wear a headset that's not tethered, the, uh, the level of immersion in the user experience is like threefold better versus higher fidelity is maybe 50% better, right? Like the ability to just move around and not have to worry about like stepping over a cable is such a massive user experience upgrade. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest concern I have with them. So if they are coming out with a cabled headset, I am very concerned. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? okay. Like, okay. Um, but so, yeah, I would say so Apple, probably.
1: Okay, right. All right, so we have to see what's going to happen in the future with Apple and HTC. Yep, let's hope that, this is, that there's going to be some company that can give us some kind of competitor to make the marketplace more even. Anyways, wow, I could talk with you six for the next couple of hours but we don't want to make this uh, too long here so thank you so much for yeah for taking the time to speak with us here on the next dimension podcast i hope it was enjoyable for you too and yeah i can't wait to have you back on here in the future because this was just too exciting and i wish you all the best for your third company man thank
2: you so much thank
1: you so much for having me on the on the show That was really cool. That was really, really cool. Yeah. So that was it for the 16th episode of the Next Dimension podcast. And for all the people who are watching this live right now, I hope you enjoyed it too. And why don't you give this show a thumbs up right now if you enjoy the kind of candid talks, right? Not paid by Facebook, very obviously, (laughs) as you could tell by today's show again. And one thing, if you enjoy this show, one thing that you could do, please get out your iPhone Or iPad right now open the podcast app and look for the next dimension podcast and give us a five-star review if you enjoy independent xr content because this would really help us and help the show to get more traction and we already have lots of traction here with all these people who are watching this live that is amazing so do do this right now give this a five-star review and give this a thumbs up and again thanks a lot for six for being on the show here and also, of course, thanks to Anthony from VR365. Do, do check out his channel, VR365, an amazing channel, and subscribe to that right now. Other than that, we're looking forward to see you next week in next episode. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.